0: Hello and welcome to the ME Show. I'm Gary Burgess. Together with support from the ME Association, I hope this series will shine a light on the work that's happening to understand ME and find that breakthrough treatment. In this episode, I speak to Caroline Kingdon. She's from the ME CFS Biobank in London. It's a mass of patient samples and data which can be used by researchers around the world. Caroline has been involved in biobanks in the us and middle east and as you'll hear is absolutely committed to making a difference i will admit to you i cried after finishing my conversation with caroline i just found it so overwhelming that she is so dedicated to her work and i hope you enjoy the chat caroline kingdom welcome to the me show how are you today
1: I'm absolutely fine, Gary. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Likewise as well. Uh, the, the reason being, I, I've heard this, this word thrown away like confetti so many times, the word biobank, like, a, uh, like uh. the world and his dog should know what it even means. But I am, I am assured you are the person to speak to to learn more about the UK's ME biobank. So I guess the, the opening question really should be, what is it? So,
1: any biobank is a collection of samples, um, and it should have accompanying data. Now, all around the world, there are samples that are poorly labelled, and they don't actually have the accompanying data. But in the last, I guess, uh, 15 years, biobanks have really come into pro- prominence, and they're being run in an entirely different way. They're being run with um, protocols and standard operating Procedures, and it's very important that the um, samples, each sample that's collected, is stored um, effectively so that it can be used in the long term for research, and that it also is very carefully linked with the accompanying data. So it's very important to know that this piece of tissue came from this person, because of uh, and and this person had these symptoms or what have you, because otherwise, obviously, there'll be great confusion around the results that could be um, obtained from the research.
0: And, and, and just to be clear, in the case of this biobank, what, what samples are you talking about? Are you talking blood samples, saliva samples, or what is it?
1: Right, so this has quite an interesting history, because um, the types of samples we collect were actually chosen by people with ME-CFS, um, who formed part of a group with clinicians and researchers in the field. And they all came together in about 2007 and various focus groups were held where they discussed what sort of a biobank would be most appropriate. And actually, to begin with, it was felt that a post-mortem biobank would be the ideal. But obviously, that would have to be very, very long term because... um, Although MECFS obviously can cause death, it's not like a disease like cancer where you or heart disease where you know a certain number of people will, will die within a certain um, length of time. Sure. There was also a problem in that people with MECFS can sometimes feel so low and frustrated with their disease, um, that the thought of being able to donate their body to medicine, might precipitate, precipitate suicide. So that was actually discarded as an idea um, during these discussions. And then there was much talk about whether it should be a tissue biobank or a biobank that collects blood samples. And MECFS patients often suffer with quite a lot of pain already. And the thought of having invasive surgery to take a muscle sample or, or something similar was thought not to appeal to the large majority of people with MECFS. So in the end, it was decided that quite a significant amount of blood would be given by every participant, um, and some of that would be tested to exclude other diseases in clinical tests. So the sort of things we're trying to rule out are things like diabetes or thyroid problems, other inflammatory diseases um, that might cause fatigue, and other fatigue-inducing diseases such as cancer. So very broadly, that's what the clinical tests rule out. They also rule out um, the more um, usual conditions like anemia that can also cause fatigue. So having ruled those those diseases out, um, the rest of the samples are divided into tiny little tubes, and those tubes are called aliquots, and they hold between half a mil and a mil each, so that's a, a tenth or a fifth of a teaspoon each. And they're stored in freezers at terrifically low temperatures so that absolutely nothing happens to them, so that they stay static in the state that they were when they were first frozen until they're released to be used by researchers. Um, In addition to those samples that are frozen, a um, a a small amount of blood is taken for gene expression studies. Now, that's not for um, genome-wide association studies, but just for genetic expressions, gene expression studies. So that's how it's divvied up. Now, unfortunately, from the participants' point of view, that's not where it ends, because they need to fill in a series of quite lengthy forms to tell us about their medical history, how they're feeling now, um, what symptoms they're experiencing at the time of the blood draw, and all that information is put on a very, very secure database at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and that can be accessed by researchers um, in a de-identified way, in other words, a researcher, if he sought blood from us, um, we might tell him that this sample of blood came from a 47-year-old who'd had ME for 13 years and she lived in East Anglia and these were the answers to the questions on the questionnaires. So it's a very rich source of data as well as the actual bio samples that are taken
0: i think that's an important point isn't it the the information that you're giving is about patient x rather than joe blogs who lives at number three acacia avenue and this is their mobile phone number
1: Absolutely. The only few people who have the key to link the samples with an actual person's name and address are the very small, well, a few members of the very small team at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And obviously, it's really important to be able to link um, the samples and the patient um, because this is a longitudinal study, which means that we go back to participants and we ask them if they'd be prepared to give um, another set of blood and another set of information. And that way, as the disease fluctuates, we may be able to match markers in the blood with the symptoms that people are um, feeling at that particular time.
0: That's absolutely fascinating. For for fear of this becoming a a statistics attack, just just to give me a sense of numbers, A, how many participants uh, contribute to the biobank? You said it was a significant amount of blood. How many samples does that then create? And then in turn, how many researchers have come to you asking for those samples?
1: So, at the moment, we have about 34,000 aliquots stored in the biobank. Um, and the number of releases that have been made, well, within the UK, there have been about 10 releases and a further 10 to places as far apart as Brazil, Spain, Israel, Europe, the USA, Austria, wow. and Israel. Yeah, I think I mentioned Israel already. Yeah, so they have gone far and wide, and they've gone to very prestigious universities in the UK. Um, Oxford, Cambridge, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, University College London. So these are very um, important um, research um, hubs
0: that they're going to. And and of those 34,000, what were they called, the aliquots,
1: i <laughs>
0: 'm yes. learning new words every day uh, <laughs> how, how many people do they originate from then How many people have contributed to the biobank so the entire
1: cohort it comprises about six hundred and fifty people um, and that is made up of people with cfs people um, with ms who were chosen as a con- control group that 's okay. multiple sclerosis and people with, um, who are just healthy controls. So again, they're another yeah. control group. Um, and the largest um, cohort is the people with NCFS, and that's about 360 people, but increasing. Um, and then we have about um, 80 or 90 people with MS, and then the rest are people who are healthy controls so they're people who don't have any um, major disease uh, and likely to be healthier than the average population so they're a good control group ms participants were chosen actually recommended by the national institutes of health in america who fund us because ms is a disease that um does share some of the same symptoms, particularly initially as MECFS. Both diseases, um, people have overwhelming fatigue or may have overwhelming fatigue in MS. It's often a symptom. Um, and so it, very often people can be initially diagnosed with MECFS, but as the months go by, it may be that they're actually diagnosed with MS.
0: Has the research, as a consequence of the existence of the biobank, resulted in any particular breakthroughs over the past few years? Do you know?
1: So, no, um, no breakthroughs yet. I'm afraid this is a this is a long process, um, and I think one of the reasons for this is that most people in the field feel that MECFS is probably made up of a number of different, not different diseases, but different expressions of the disease, so that it's unlike, It's a bit like cancer. There'll never be a headline saying there's a cure for cancer because cancer is a collection of different diseases in which similar things happen. And we think it's probably the same with ME-CFS, that it's a collection of, of different presentations, possibly caused by different things. So there's a cohort of people who have a very definite onset. They might have something like glandular fever or flu, and then they just never get better. And there are some people who have a more gradual onset. They are working very hard, and they notice they're getting more and more and more tired, and then one day they just can't go on, and their condition may deteriorate. So there can be quite different presentations, and we suspect that... These, um, these people, their disease may be stratified into different um, groups and that it may be caused by different things. So, no, there hasn't been a major breakthrough yet, sadly, but um, we're optimistic that the presence of the Biobank is going to um, facilitate the much-needed research, which historically has, of course, been so badly funded in this
0: country. It strikes me that trying to solve this is like trying to nail jelly to a wall. And I think you've just confirmed that based on on, on what your understanding is as well. I I wonder in the face of that, how you remain positive and determined to to drive this biobank work forward. I'd I'd be far too impatient. I'd, I'd want results like yesterday.
1: Yes, and that's something that um, we we all find frustrating at times. Um, but I think we're all in it for the long haul. And we feel that it's very, very important to have this robust set of samples and data from people who've definitely got MECFS. That doesn't mean that um, the people that perhaps didn't meet the criterion for the biobank don't have any CFS, but we have certain specific criteria that people actually have to meet. And unless they meet those um, criteria, we won't accept them. We're also able to divide um, people into groups. So we could say this is the cohort of people who meet one set of criteria and this is the cohort of people who meet another set of criteria And this is the cohort of people who meet all three criteria. And that, again, will help to facilitate research going forward. But, yes, you do have to have enormous patience. Um, And I think uh, we're very encouraged by the researchers who come to us. And with their um, ideas, Uh, we've not had to reject... No, we did reject, actually, one application from a commercial body but that's the only one we've ever rejected. Um, Almost all the um, applications we've had have been for very robust science.
0: I imagine there'll be somebody listening to this conversation thinking, I I want to donate to the biobank. Is that something people can do or have you got your cohort now and that is it?
1: We have almost completed our cohort and for this part of the study we're somewhat constrained geographically because we have to um, enroll people who are within a certain um, radius of the Biobank which is actually at the Royal Free Hospital in North London. So we've tended to use two hubs, the London Hub and the Norwich Hub and select participants from those areas. Going forward we are Um, confident that there will be many other opportunities for people to donate and it may be in a somewhat easier way. So for example we ran a small study last year where people who actually were already participants in the Biobank sent monthly samples of urine and saliva through the post and uh, obviously that was for them much easier Um, and for us gave us a very very valuable resource so we've got samples from about um, 100 people and they were taken at monthly intervals over six months and there was a 97 percent return rate on those samples which is absolutely fantastic for any study
0: I think back to my careers lessons in high school, uh, where the teacher asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and it varied from lawyer to bank manager to airline pilot, and I've spectacularly managed to avoid doing all three. But I imagine, I imagine <laughs> no one in any school said, do you know what, when I grow up, I, I want to run a biobank. And as I understand it, you've, you've done this in the Middle East, you've done this in the United States, and now you're doing this in the United Kingdom. How on God's planet, Caroline, did this happen?
1: Ah, well you may well ask. (laughs) So um, my husband was um, offered a job at Brown in the United States and uh, being a good wife I followed him there, retook my nursing exams but unfortunately the US has a policy that if there's someone else who can do your job and they're a US citizen they get the job first. So it was actually quite problematic to find a job that I could do. Um, But after I'd been there for some time, um, the university wanted to establish a population-based biobank in Rhode Island. Um, And I I was approached and asked if this was something I'd consider doing. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the experience. It was something quite new, quite challenging. Um, There were a huge amount of ethics involved. It was uh, a biobank right across the population. Um, And it is still going, although it's in a slightly different form now than when I was there. Um, Then my husband moved again to Saudi Arabia, where I worked as a science journalist at the brand new university that had just been established. But I'd been in touch with people at the UK Biobank, and they asked if I would come and help as clinical director of the Biobank in Qatar, which I did. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't very easy commuting between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. So I didn't stay as long as I might have done. And And then I came back to the UK (laughs) and I was doing a master's degree at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And one day feeling a little bored I looked at the jobs on offer and there happened to be a job which seemed to have been written for me and here I am five years later.
0: And, and what do you actually do I mean you've described to me what the biobank is but you know what do you actually do I'm guessing you're not opening freezer doors checking those those little vials no. are okay is 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 it the paperwork around the ethics is it is it liaising with researchers is it trying to find funding?
1: So I have the most wonderful job in that part of my job is actually going to visit um, people who are most severely affected by me So I actually get in a car and drive to people's homes at a time convenient to them. Um, I get to know them a little, do a clinical assessment, which is basic um, weights and measures, as it were, um, and then take bloods and take them back to the biobank. bank. So that's been a huge privilege, and I have probably met about 70 people who are house- or bed-bound by their MECFS and learnt such a lot from them. Um, at the same time, um, we are writing grants, uh, always looking for money to keep things going, writing papers. I think I've been part of about nine papers since... I started here at the school, um, working with other researchers to um, get more research into the field going, Um, certainly looking at ethics. We're just um, putting in two new ethics approvals at the moment um, to expand the study. Um, And yes, thinking laterally with the rest of the team about how we can make this an incredibly valuable resource, how we can make sure that it's well used, how we can make sure that it's used ethically and how we can respond to the um, many individuals who get in touch with us um, and can be quite vulnerable um, and just really want to contribute because they find it so empowering. I think if you're stuck at home, um, terribly unwell... Uh, There's often very little you feel you can contribute to society, but this is one way in which people can contribute a huge amount um, and that is rewarding for them and obviously incredibly valuable to us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, During the course of this series, as well as getting insights like I'm doing right now, and this is just fascinating, Caroline, I'm, I'm also trying to get a sense of hope or hopelessness. How hopeful are you about both progress being made to find out what on earth Emma is and, and find a, an effective treatment or cure? Uh, how how politically aware people in parliaments are, and, and indeed those who who divvy up the funding? Where, where does your hope lie in this world?
1: Well, um, funnily enough, I bumped into um, an immunologist in rheumatology on the train this morning, and we were talking, and. He his field is arthritis, but he had heard that things were happening in MECFS and we had a long discussion about the excitement of all that's going on in Parliament, a huge amount of work by um, Carol Moynihan yeah. to get um, the pro- to raise the profile of MECFS and to raise the amount of funding that's put in by the go- by our government, which is pitiful. I mean, our group is funded by the National Institutes of Health in the US, which seems crazy. Um, we're obviously enormously grateful to them, but there should be local funding available. So, yes, we are involved politically. Um, it's impossible not to be um, when it's something as important as this. And we try to um, lobby MPs. We try to raise awareness using social media of of the um, Biobank and of the studies it's facilitating. Um, and we certainly try to listen to people and listen to what they want. Um, a couple of years ago, when we had some preliminary results from the study, we actually invited people with MECFS CFS and people with MS to come in and hear the preliminary results and ask them how they responded to those, and how we should release that information, and what we should be careful to say. Um, and we always look to um being steered really by the patients themselves, the people who have to put up with this horrible illness.
0: It strikes me in a in a world of of science uh, and and blacks and whites that you've not lost the human beings at the very centre of all of this work then, Caroline?
1: No, I mean, I think that's, that's tremendously important. And while I focus very much on seeing people who are severely affected, I'm very aware of the people who just tr- trudge along and do their work a day job, get in in the evening, eat and then just collapse and spend the whole weekend trying to catch up. Um, on the fatigue that they've brought on themselves by just trying to go to work and I find that those people have such impoverished lives you know the friends go the activities go and so it's a whole it's an enormous body of people who are looking for success in research.
0: Well I wish you success. I, I wish you continued success. And, and I'm very grateful for both your, your time today uh, and, and, and the work that is, is turning clearly into a, a labour of love. So thank you very much for, for joining me on the ME show. It's
1: been a great pleasure, Gary. Thank you.
0: Caroline Kingdon from the MECFS Biobank, and you can find more details about both Caroline and the Biobank in the show notes that accompany this podcast. If you're listening in iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review the show there to boost our visibility. Uh, Anybody who wants to search there just needs to type in the ME show. And for now, as ever, thank you for listening.